1: Welcome to Sideline Sanity, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to the folks I trust, Legacy Precious Metals. You can find them at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. They are a strong supporter of Sideline Sanity. We love them and appreciate them and recommend them highly. So please check them out. I'm starting a new little topic here on Sideline Sanity. I'm going to call it Convert me. What am I wanting to be converted about? Religion. And here's why I see so many people in pro sports, in amateur sports, in life in general, who have a deep faith in something bigger than themselves, something religious. And they all seem to be very strong, happy, productive, successful people. So I've had to ask myself is there a connection between faith? And your success level, your happiness level, what you're able to accomplish in your life. It's its an interesting question for me, and I want to get an answer for myself. Quick background. I was born and raised, you know, baptized Catholic. I later left the Catholic Church, became Episcopalian. My kids have been baptized Lutheran, as has my husband. So you can see there's a real strong commitment on my end. But lately, I've been thinking a lot about faith and how it seems to really, really help people in all kinds of facets of their lives. So I'm going to invite people of faith on this show to tell me what I'm missing. And I hope you'll listen and kind of go on the journey with me and find out, is this for you? Could it make you happier to have a faith in something bigger than you, something bigger than all of us? We start today with Pastor Jack Hibbs. He's from Orange County, California. He runs a very large church there, and he's going to be our guest. And I'm going to say, hey, Pastor Jack, convert me.
0: For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya.
1: I am happy to welcome Pastor Jack Hibbs, and you're out in California, correct? That is correct. And a nice morning time for you to to jump on with us, and we appreciate it. I, I'm going to get straight to it sure. because I see people around me, people of faith, a lot of athletes, uh, of neighbors, they seem to be very happy in their faith. It seems to strengthen them. As I've said earlier, I was raised Catholic. I later became Episcopalian. My kids have been baptized Lutheran. We're one of those sort of Christmas Easter families. Mm -hmm. But I think religion's important, and I think spirituality's important, and it's missing in America in a way that I think is detrimental. But I want to hear from you who you think God is. Please explain to me what and who God is from your perspective. Yeah, well, first
2: of all, that's probably the greatest question, if you think about it, that man has been asking since recorded time, is, is who is God? And so your question is actually rooted in what is known as the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. And so the Bible says, number one, of itself, that God has revealed himself through his word, the Bible, and nature. Which is a really great statement if you think about it, because he has announced that he's a God of order. He is a God of what he claims or what he says is perfection and that he is a God of love and so when we look at what is called faith what we want to make sure that we're careful about is what are we putting our faith in so we number one and, and look I'm a skeptic by nature I worked in a research laboratory for 13 years even as a Christian I'm, I'm a skeptic but I like the fact that I'm a skeptic so why should I believe the Bible why should I believe who God says he is and so it's interesting to find out that archaeologically, linguistically, historically, sociologically, and the fact that God says, I transform people's lives. And how does he do that? He says that he is the creator God, that he's the God that loves us, that he's the God that even went to the cross to die for our sins, which is a whole topic in itself. Yeah. Why would he do that? Right. And that, that by us putting our faith, not in faith but by us putting our faith in him that we can have eternal life. In fact, Jesus told the most religious Jew in his day, 21 centuries ago, Jesus said to a man by the name of Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. The word in Greek means born from above. You, you need a spiritual birth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I got to be honest with you, that flies in the face of you and I wanting to do what we think comes normal, where, how can I impress this God? Can I? What, what do I do? Give money? Do I pray longer? Do I do some good works? And believe it or not, the Bible says no. The, the Bible says, believe on him whom God has sent. So this God is a loving God. He's a caring God. The Bible is a book that announces to us his love for us. The thing is, you and I don't often like to be uh, told what to do even by those who love us. And so um, this God is the way, the truth, and the life, he says, and no man comes to the Father but through me. So, Okay, yeah.
1: so some basics here. How do we yeah. know God is a man? Yeah, he
2: reveals himself in the scriptures to us in the male uh, gender. Now, what we must first of all conclude from what he has said, he says that he's not human. Isn't that interesting? Think about it. He's not human. It was a big deal for him to come at what we call Christmas time. He came into the world as the son of God. The Bible says, and God says of himself, that he is spirit. So this is fascinating. He's not a really big, super, super evolved human being. He is spirit, but he has revealed himself to us as a man, as coming into the world, as uh, the son of Mary, right? You're Born talking on about Jesus. Day. Yes. Exactly. But being the eternal son of God. The Old Testament tells us that Jesus Christ literally has existed forever. That he's the second person of the Trinity. But when he re- revealed himself, he revealed himself uh, as a male. And, okay. and there's a reason for that. There's a structure to that. Has nothing to do with chauvinism or machoism or what the world is now saying today is toxic you know masculinity in or fact the patriarchy exactly <laughs> what i believe is this i when i read my bible as i do every day people might be surprised to find out that the bible announces that for example the man created in the image of god is the head of the house and we We recoil at that because we have such a toxic picture of that. But the next verse goes on to say that the husband is to be like Jesus, who is head of the church. The husband uh, needs to be like Jesus was, and it means that we're to be sacrificed first. Jesus went to the cross first. So every woman, I would think, would say, wait a minute, what would you say? Uh, (laughs) Every man, biblical masculinity should be an amazing role model of sacrificial, care and love to the point where a man is willing to lay down his life for the love of his wife and his family.
3: So okay. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. Thanks John. You heard it folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now
0: 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Yeah. All right, that's really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't had that interpretation given to me before. Now, let's get to you you continually go to the Bible as the resource. <sighs> For those who don't believe that this Bible was created by something – there are people who just don't believe that this book was written for any purpose other than to maybe indoctrinate the masses and get them to obey this this spirit that doesn't exist. So, Wendy, when you first pick up a Bible, what tells you that that book came from a genuine, authentic place – and that when we read it, we should believe everything in it. Yep. I love it. First of all,
2: he actually announces to us
1: in the Bible
2: that you, you don't have to believe everything that is stated. He wants you to test everything that is stated or revealed. I love that. He knows that we're skeptics. He knows that we approach life unbelieving, especially him, that we have a natural pushback against authority. And God is the ultimate authority. So your question is, is an excellent question. Number one, let's be skeptics. The Bible's been around for a long time. We have to agree to that because it's a fact. Yeah, doesn't mean we have to believe it, but it's been around for a long time. Number two, let's put it to the test. Is it archaeologically accurate? Meaning, if the Bible says that there were those who were called uh, the Amalekites or the Canaanites, If we take a shovel and go to the regions of the world in the Middle East where the Bible says they existed, and we dig down, what do archaeologists find? They find Canaanite dwellings. They they find Amalekite warrior implements and coins. And this is why, by the way, the Bible, even among universities around the world, they're not going to come up and say, we believe in the Bible because, you know, we believe in God. They actually use the Bible as an archaeological guidebook, which I think is thrilling if you think about it. So let's apply the sciences, because if God, and and I hope you grab this, I hope I hope all your viewers grab this. If God is real, and he made the earth, and he is the creator of us, then then can't he reveal himself to us? And if he's real, can we know him personally? it's It's awesome to find out that when we begin to look, we find out that there really was a King David. There really was a kingdom of Solomon. There really was a region where all of it began, and we call it the cradle of our civilization was in that region, the Tigris uh, Euphrates River Valley. That's exactly what the Bible says. And that's exactly, for example, what science says. I believe that really, really good science, when we obey the sciences without, watch this, without personal interjection, if we just research, we should come to a conclusion. Same is true about Bible reading. You mentioned that you've been in association with Episcopalian or Catholic. I had no religious upbringing. But if you and I were uh, together on a deserted island and somebody dropped a Bible out of an airplane and it landed and hit you and I on the head, if you and I just picked it up and started reading it, I have no doubt that we would be coming to the same conclusions because so much of our confusion comes from external input. I don't want people, for example, at the church that I pastor, I don't want them to believe because I say so. I always tell them, test everything that you hear don't believe a word that i'm saying find out if archaeology is true regarding the bible and what about astronomy god says that he created the heavens and the earth but that he set the orbits of the planets and the starry sky in their order that's remarkable statements that that are made there's a technology revealed in the bible for example the bible says long before we knew this The Bible says that the life of a human being and the life of an animal is contained in the blood. But at about the year 1000 or 1100, up until then, we believed that life was contained in the air. But lo and behold, we find out that hematology is something that God said, yep, I made that. So I'm a big fan of approaching the Bible skeptically. Don't believe it at face value. Read it and find out. Put it to the test. You might be pleasantly surprised.
1: Okay, I love this. So quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the basics from the Bible that many people go, I don't get how this could have happened. So we'll put some of this to the test right after this. You hear a lot about silver and gold and precious metals these days, but I will give you my bottom line on the people that I deal with. Legacy precious metals. They are the only folks that I trust when it comes to investing in gold and silver. And why would you invest in gold and silver? Well, they keep printing money and in the United States of America and what that means is your money's worth less. There's more of it out there, it's worth less. And gold, on the other hand, goes up. The value goes up when the dollar declines. So you want to protect your your wealth by investing it in something that will grow, not something that will deflate or drop down in value. Legacy Precious Metals can answer all of your questions. And that's what I really like about them is it's, it's less about the gold and silver and it's more about you and your investments and your goals for your retirement, your IRA, your 401k, all of those things. These folks can help you out. They'll take your questions on the phone. They also have a free investment guide which I will tell you about in a second. But first, the phone number. You can give them a call at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903. They are as trustworthy as they come. You can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. And if you like this show, Sideline Sanity, we hope you'll check them out because they are a terrific sponsor. They, They keep us going. We love them at Legacy Precious Metals, and we hope you'll give them a call. All right, Pastor Jack. I remember when my niece came to me and she said, this Adam and Eve thing, I don't get it. It, it, If Eve just keeps having the babies, how do we populate the earth uh, unless you have just incest going on? And by the way, what about evolution? So w- yeah. where do you, how do you address <laughs> those topics? You know what, this is fantastic
2: also because we better have answers for our kids, right? That's, that's uh, yes. why they ask us questions. And we, especially if, as we raise them spiritually, we need to answer their questions. And um, one of the things is this, uh and and again, I'm sorry to keep going back to sciences, but I love the foundation of this. the uh, The God of the Bible says, I created Adam and Eve. And he said that he created them in perfection, We know that the Bible states that in such a perfect environment, that number one, he built them, he designed them to live forever. Think of that, which is very amazing. Second thing is, he says, the day that you eat of this fruit, if you disobey me uh, and eat of this fruit, then you're going to die that day. Well, they ate the fruit, but they didn't die that day. What happened? Well, the Bible says they spiritually died that day. So you've got a, an account. So you, you talk about your little kids asking questions about, how is this possible? Well, you, the Bible records that they lived eight, 900 years old before they did die. You see, well, that's preposterous. Well, actually, it's not if you have such a perfect environment. We know that we can control longevity based upon uh, how we eat, the environment that we live in. Um, but that said, uh, when you start out with perfect, And so Adam and Eve having children, then is that is it an ancestral relationship? uh, If they are, if if you've got so to speak, right brothers and sisters having having relationships with each other, and then on a on a massive scale where it continues to go out from there, and according to the Word of God that. There's a point when the law is given way down the road, m- millennia later, where the law is given and says, this must not be incest, no more. Why stop? What's fascinating about this is if you start out with perfection and you're reproducing like you are, we're talking a gene pool issue. We're talking about genetics. And what happened was as things emanated out. Think of a copier machine. If you copy a copy, a copy of a copy, you lose the clarity. And so what we understand from the scriptures is we went from a perfect state to a state that was really good, to a state that was going bad, to a state that became bad. And God steps in with the law, with Moses and says, no more interbreeding. It's wrong. It's bad. It's not but good. But what else
1: was there? Because to that point, it had only been interbreeding. So yep. Yep. where is this other population coming from to put an end to the interbreeding? I don't get, I don't, it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. You're, you're talking about, uh, remember now, you're talking about so, so much time preceding the law given where you and I now say incest is wrong. It's freakish. It's weird. Again, prior to that, you've got people, you've got brothers and sisters and cousins and extended cousins. You've got longevity where people are populating, uh, incredibly prolifically in fact god told them be uh be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth so again you're talking from a gene pool that is pure and then as time goes out you are now starting to pollute that gene pool then god steps in and says with the law of moses stop no more of that it's time now where that stops we don't we don't allow that any longer and uh the Bible states that what's what's amazing about what we're talking about is morally you and I have a hard time with this and we want we ask this question and we we have to answer it but we can't answer it without again going back to science to where blood was more pure from the beginning and it's become more corrupt as time goes on but if you now, have a
1: family tree that starts with Adam and Eve right and populates the earth it's yes. all still if if you then say stop The incest. Yes. But you're, then who else is there though to, to multiply
2: with? Yes, but this, listen, this is fantastic because as you emanate out, eventually there's so much of a population. There's such a large population that hypothetically, I'm now getting together with Susie and Susie is my great grandfather's
1: uncle's brother's So so you're saying there's enough distance between the populated. There's there's enough distance that it's safe. It's not considered incest for them to, to procreate. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yes.
2: To what you just said, but even to prove God's point, even to this day, which is, I think so amazing, even to this day, incest is terribly, if not fatal, it's, it's very, very damaging. Think about it. The, the, the the byproduct product of incest is very, very mutated and wrong. It's scientifically ill. But what's interesting is why? We we need to ask the question: why is it why is it ill? Why can't this person be with their brother or their cousin? Why not? Again, you cannot mix the hematology. You can't mix the blood like that, even this far out. From the Garden of Eden, we know this, that science announces to us that there's some sort of relationship that is between these people, which proves the point that I think it was Harvard, don't quote me on this, it was either Harvard or Johns Hopkins University some years ago concluded that all of us through bloodline can be rooted or found back to that cradle of civilization to one female. This is a non-religious statement. This is a non-biblical statement that somewhere in man's history, there was one female that is responsible for our bloodline. And I just think that is absolutely awesome, not because it helps me believe in the Bible. It just announces to me that the God that makes these declarations is a God of science, logic, and reason.
1: Okay. So those on the scientific uh, end of the spectrum who are all about science, who proclaim that there has been this evolution, they have the theory of evolution. Mm -hmm. How do you mesh the theory of evolution which you know we're talking dinosaurs, we're talking sea creatures turning into birds, turning into whatever. We're talking yep. about the the caveman that we see in the museum turning into an upright Homo sapien. How do we merge the biblical story you're telling with with this theory of evolution?
2: Yeah. First of all, evolution is a theory, okay. But number two, let's let's help them out a moment. Produce some fossil records that show what is known as transitional forms. This is the Achilles tendon to the evolutionary theory. There are no skeletal remains or any kind of fossil record of what is known as transitional... Um, uh, development. In other words, you mentioned uh, a bird turning into a, a whatever. There's no fossil records of these things. We've got things along the line, and we have filled in the gaps. Why did we do that? Because, listen, a certain group of people uh, came to the conclusion God could not have done this. So we've got to we've got to figure this out. And so uh, I do not believe. Again, sorry, based on science, I do not believe that the theory of evolution is scientific because to embrace the evolutionary theory, you have to violate the very natural laws of science, which are studied today. Secondly is, where's evolution taking place now? We, don't, we haven't seen it in thousands of years. What's going on? Third is built in, and this is a strong point, built in to the DNA of every structure that we can study is what is known as variation within the species. Now, people who have a scientific background know exactly what I'm talking about. Every species has a variation. For example, um, in our home, we're big fans of Yorkshire Terriers. (laughs) Five pound, little Yorkies. But I've got friends who love their great, big, awesome, Great Danes. They're both dogs. But there's variation within the species. Granted, it was humanly manipulated, but it's still variation within the species. But you can't have, nor can you make, a dog become a fish or even a cat. It's impossible based on the science. So when you look at a giraffe or when you look at a, the um, the primate kingdom, when you look at um, whatever that area might be, uh, there is a boundary limit where, for example, birds, this is very famous. Darwin made a big deal of this and called it evolution. It turns out he was wrong. Birds' beaks, the beaks on birds, will get thicker and stronger if there's a rainy season in advance. So, uh, if it rains, this is, this is amazing. If it rains a lot in the springtime or winter, in the spring and summer, the birds will have stronger, bigger beaks. Why? Because there's more of a harvest. There's more of growth. And Darwin saw that and he said, oh, look, evolution. And then we found out later through the study of DNA that it coded within that bird is its ability for its beak to expand and thicken or thin and constrict based on uh, rainy seasons. And this is, remo- this is true, by the way, in all aspects of observable science. So I, I don't, a friend of mine wrote a book, uh, Dr. Frank Turek. That book is entitled, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And he unpacks all of these things. It's wonderful. But <laughs> I love the um, title. Be, it's a great title, but let's be honest. Um, a lot of people I talk to, I don't know what, what your experience has been. I mean, this is, I don't want to be, I don't want to be bombastic about it, but it feels like it's like 100%. When I ask people, so you're an atheist? Yeah, I'm an atheist. How come? Look around the world. It's all horrible. There's, there's child molestation and there's wars and there's, oh, it's terrible. And uh, okay, I agree with you. It's terrible. But why are you an atheist? Well, I don't like the way things are going. So wait, are you holding God responsible for this? Well, where's your loving God that you're talking about? It comes down to they're not evolutionists. They don't like the way that they think God is running things. When the Bible says the world will fall apart if you don't follow my regulations, I know exactly what you need to live. I, so to speak, I put the guardrails on the freeway I put the lines down the middle of the road to keep you safe, to keep you alive. And uh, if you don't do that, you're going to wind up going into the weeds and you're going to crash. So you look at guys like Christopher Hitchens. I'm sure you remember him. He's now passed. But even um, Richard Dawkins, when, when you watch the debates of these guys who are experts in their areas, they always wind up accusing the God of the Bible to be maniacal, evil, and ugly. They can't defend their position scientifically. They've got, they always wind up going emotional on the fact that, well, I don't like the way God's doing things. So the real truth is, it's not that you're an atheist. It's that you don't approve of the way God's run in the universe, which in a weird way makes you somewhat of a disgruntled believer.
1: Exactly. I was going to say that, that's, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean you don't believe in God. It means you're kind of angry with him. Um, exactly. This, this is fascinating. I'm going to finish with this question. Why do you think people who believe in God, who read, the, who have their spirituality their, and, and great faith, tend to be happier?
2: Look, because it's personal. What an awesome question. Because he's real, he actually shows up in our problems. Look, I met Jesus when I was 19 years old. When I say I met Jesus, I mean, I didn't like, you know, see him. I didn't hear his voice. I just knew that what I was hearing in in that church service, I was guilty of the things that God was talking about. And I felt like in a room of 2,000 people, I felt like I was the only one in the room. What was going on? something personal was happening. So, if God's real, if he sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, when you read that in the Bible, and he tells you, I know the thoughts I thank toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of hope, thoughts of a future, and to bring your life to a full and glorious completion. That's Jeremiah 29 11. Jesus said, be of good cheer. In this world, you're going to have difficulties, but you of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus said, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's why we can be joyful in the midst of no matter what happens in this world. That's how we bury our children. Weeping, crying, absolutely, but with absolute firm assurance that we're going to see them again because of what Jesus did. So yeah, it matters. And I believe that God has designed us to come home. No matter who you might be, you can always come home to meet Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can know the God that made you because he loves you. And can I say this without offending anyone, please? Religion's not the answer. Attending this church, your church, any church is not the answer. Billy Graham, if he were still around, can't give you the answer. The Pope cannot give you the answer. No man can give you the answer. The answer has already been given. God wrote you a love letter. It's called the Bible, and he loves you and he wants you to come to him. And that's why people who have personal faith tend to be happy. We're not worried about the results of the election or what's coming next.
1: This has been tremendously fascinating. I'm beginning this journey on a personal level, but also for my listeners, some of whom are of great faith and some... Who are struggling uh, with that faith. So I, I am so grateful for your time and for your words and your energy. And, uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted on how it all goes.
2: I would love that. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jack. Uh, it's, it's been great to listen to you and you can find him at com. Anywhere else people can find you?
2: That's the best place. That's, that's the fastest place.
1: And there's a lot there. There's a lot at the website that I'm sure people will find interesting and inspiring. Pastor Jack, thank you so very much. Everyone, thanks for listening to Sideline Sanity. Be brave and do good. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why A precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Mm -hmm. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone?
3: You know, great question. And I think the the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there. Whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run.
1: (laughs) You mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed?
3: It ain't going to (laughs) happen. It ain't going to happen. You know, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion.
1: Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say,
3: do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make, get a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step.
1: I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or or check out the the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What what is the number one question that you get from people who are first time investors?
3: The biggest question I get is, "Is this right for me?" That is the question,
1: and that comes from everyone. So so everyone's asking the same: "Is this right for me?" And yet, we're all so unique, and and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is.
3: We even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't. But we're all in it together, right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person. But we all have that same need.
1: It's a great point, and again, I encourage people to 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 just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is. In any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing, some way to better your life, it always seems like that first hurdle is is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who who are they going to talk to? Who what what's going to be on the other end of the line for them?
3: Great question. You're going to speak with one of our customer representatives, and their job is not to sell you metals, right? We have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, We have a gold company here, but, you know, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy, and that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have, and then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do.
1: And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with, and I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call. Even easier, go check out their, their guide. It's a free investor's guide at legacypminvestments.com, legacypminvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get, get the ball rolling. Get, get started. Do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here.